Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome in, everybody, to the debut episode of Man vs. Machine. I am the man. And I'm the machine. <laughs> and today we are going to be kicking off our projections and rankings debates. And that's what the show will be about. We're going to be analyzing the rankings projections over at Player Profiler. Dario the machine is going to be analyzing the man's rankings. And we are going to be uh, debating deliberating and talking about the, our differences inside of our rankings and hopefully able to find some common ground. We do ask that if you are here today and participating at the very end, I'm going to ask who won the debate, the man or the machine. Oh God, We are going to take a vote and we want to know who won the debate, the man or the machine. Uh, are we ready for this, Dario? I, I suppose we're as ready as we'll ever be. As ready as we're ever going to be. That's right. So number one, let's start the quarterback position. Uh, Joe Burrow, he's my quarterback seven. I have him uh, behind Herbert, behind Lamar, behind Fields. You think I have him too low. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I just have a hard time, especially if if people are drafting today. I think that, for example, Lamar Jackson, There's, a, I think there's a very real chance he holds out this season. We could see a Deshaun Watson situation play out. And I mean, I was relatively bearish on Burrow last year for the same reasons, right? I mean, he doesn't have that rushing upside, but we kind of saw him do it again this season. He threw for 36 touchdowns. I think that he very much has that still in his range of outcomes. And I think that, like, don't get me wrong. I think that his ADP is a little high. Like he should not be going if, um, for example, those top three quarterbacks are going at the back end of the second round. I don't think that Burrow should be going in the middle of the third where he is, but I think it's a little bit disrespectful to have him ranked behind Justin Herbert, whose weapons haven't gotten any better yet and who Joe Burrow clearly outperformed last year. Okay, so hear me out on this one. All right, all right, all right, Machine. We have to understand there's been a lot of movements here from the human element, right? From from the side of the man versus just the, the machine and the analytics. We have a new offensive coordinator here, inside for the chargers Chargers. yep so herbert here so let's let's backpedal let's start the beginning here when healthy herbert is a top tier quarterback in 2021 he finished as the quarterback two only behind josh allen 20 points ahead of patrick mahomes in 2021 he played hurt last year he had a shoulder surgery he also was playing with broken ribs and like i said they have a new offensive coordinator joe lombardi's gone Lombardi ran the same concepts time after time, even after they were proven to be ineffective. Lombardi also refused to get Herbert on the move, which was one of his strong suits in 2021 and in 2020. You look at this new office coordinator, Kellen Moore, for those who are familiar, came over from, from Dallas Cowboys, right? Into the four seasons with the Cowboys, his offense ranked number two in the league in total offense with 391 yards per game, 27.7 total points per game as well. Dallas was also fourth in the league in total offense for 264.4 yards per game. Then you take a look at this, this offense scheme and what Herbert has done over the past of his short career so far in just the last two years, 
Herbert has thrown a lot more than Joe Burrow, 699 times versus 606. Sorry, wrong number. 699 last year, 672 the year before, 606 for Burrow last year, 520 the year before. So over the last two years, 245 more attempts. It's 122 more attempts per year, 7.6 more per game. You take a look at fantasy points, Herbert in 2020, 22.2 fantasy points per game. Burrow that year, 17.4. 2021, Herbert fantasy points per game, 22.4. Burrow, 19.6. Now, this is the first year last year, 2022, that Burrow actually surpassed Herbert in fantasy points per game. Burrow was 21.9, Herbert 16.4. We know about the injuries, and I think that's a lot of the reasons why this offense was derailed, not just Herbert, but also Keenan Allen as well. 2022, Burrow ran the ball 75 times. I do not expect this number to continue in 2023. That was nearly two times what his normal average was. And it's, I mean, don't you think that Burroughs mobility has a chance of staying that high? I mean, he tore his ACL as a rookie. 2021 was his first year coming off of the ACL tear. I think this year he, as he was one more year removed, I think it, it actually shows that the Bengals trust him more. He trusts his legs more. He's always had that sort of like white guy speed where you don't think he's going to get away from you. I remember watching those highlights at LSU. It's like you, you, it's be a third down. I mean, Burrow was doing this on everyone in the playoffs. I think that his legs are here to stay. I mean, 4.5 carries per game last year. That translates decently well in projections. And I think for me, the biggest shortcoming with Herbert right now is just that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both a year older. They're both making a ton of money. Austin Eckler wants out without Austin Eckler, that chargers offense could look very different. And I think that you're right to point to the change in offensive coordinator, like Joe Lombardi and the short a dot was clearly hampering Herbert last year. But I think also Kellen Moore, like no matter how pass heavy the offense gets, like you said, Justin Herbert's attempts have already kind of hit the ceiling. I mean, the chargers have been the most pass happy team in the league for the last couple of years since they drafted him. And I mean, they can't get any pass happier than that. I think that that's they kind of hit that ceiling. Whereas the Bengals it hasn't gone down though. Scared. It's been it's been maintained at that level, right? But I don't think it's there's there's no greater ceiling. I mean, last we what you saw last year is as many attempts as he'll get, and that was while he was injured. Keep in mind. Okay, so last point I want to talk about before I move on because I I feel like I need to defend not only the reason why I have Burrow behind Herbert but also behind Lamar also behind fields. Okay. So the, the last point with Herbert and I, and I just, this is kind of in rebuttal with the Eckler news. So Eckler has stated now he would like to stay with the chargers, but he does want to be paid. So I don't think that Eckler eventually gets moved. I just think it's a bad, it's bad timing on his part, right? You look at this running back class and how stacked it is. Mm -hmm. You look at the free agent class of running backs and it was also stacked. So it's, I think it would take a lot for them to get rid of Eckler. And I would agree if Eckler's gone, my projection is going to change drastically. Herbert would be well behind Burrow. I think this projection as of today, March 22nd, 2023, has Herbert where he is strictly because we do have Eckler and we still have the offensive pieces or the receiver cores inside those pieces on this offense. 
you know, uh, these are subject to change, of course, with any trade. And I would say that this would drastically affect the ranking of Herbert. But let's look at Lamar now, too. So I have I have Burrow behind Lamar as well. And I know that there's a lot of uncertainty with Lamar this year um, and, and people are hedging. And that's why they have him. So my projection, though, is is as if Lamar starting week one. And for me, it just breaks down to the rushing upside with Lamar. Right. Twenty nineteen, he had twenty seven point seven fantasy points per game. Twenty twenty, twenty two point two fantasy points per game. Twenty twenty one, he had twenty fantasy points per game. Twenty twenty two, he did nineteen point seven. So you're talking now about three straight years, almost a fourth because he was hurt last year. Probably would have eclipsed twenty points again. He would have had four straight years of twenty fantasy points or more. Where Burrow's only done it once, and I understand his weapons right now. Burrow has has some outstanding weapons, but the rushing stats still reign supreme at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Two thousand nineteen, Lamar had twelve hundred rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Twenty twenty, another thousand rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. In twelve games in twenty twenty one, seven hundred and sixty seven rushing yards. Twelve games in twenty twenty two. 764 rushing yards. And so we know the upside that Lamar has. The weapons are the only the only default to him having to go directly to Mark Andrews and now Rashad Bateman. And that's really it outside of the running game. So I understand that there's a lack of weapons for Lamar, but that rushing upside for me, I think more than makes up for it. I think that that's fair. And I think that that's something that drafters have to think about. For me, the biggest nitpick by far was Burrow versus Herbert because I don't think that Herbert has necessarily any more juice on the ground. I do think the Konami code is a very real thing. It absolutely matters with Fields and with Jackson. I just think that with the way that drafts are shaping up right now, I, I think that it's hard to put Burrow all the way back there at quarterback seven. I think that I would probably put maybe Lamar fourth, Burrow fifth, and Fields sixth, just because we haven't seen Fields do it over as extended of a stretch. That Bears offensive line is still a problem. I think he takes too many sacks. And frankly, their pass attempts per game were way too low last season. So I think that that's kind of more where I'm pushing towards. I'm not saying that Burrow has to be the quarterback four without a debate. I just don't think he should be all the way down to quarterback seven. Okay, so let's talk about Fields, right? So Fields is the other one I have. I have met four right now. I actually have met a Lamar. I do have met a Herbert. And so I understand your concern. It's been one year, right? But it was one hell of a year. The first four weeks were a little rough. And from a fantasy perspective, I was immediately regretting my decision of drafting Justin Fields last year. And I thought I was in for a bumpy ride for the entire season. But luckily, they figured out they had a mobile quarterback and they started using him as such. Mm-hmm. So that being said, though, we did see a significant upgrade in weapons for Justin Fields when they acquired DJ Moore. You and I looked at the projections together. We adjusted them. We definitely increased for efficiency this year. We also increased for, you know, total the pass rate. Yeah, for sure. Pass rate. We're expecting to see a regression in those categories, right? To where it's going to be significantly helping this offense. Do you think that Justin Fields with the increased efficiency, do you think he's going to maintain the rushing stats that he had in 2020, 2022? I think it's going to be hard. I mean, now the entire league has seen what he's capable of. He's not going to be catching teams by surprise. I think that maybe part of what worked so well in his favor this last season was that they didn't use him in that way at all for the first five weeks. And then out of nowhere, they just like, it was like they uh, just broke open the, the, they shattered the emergency glass and said, okay, Justin, like go win us some games with your legs. But I think it's going to be harder for them to do that again this year. I mean, he's absolutely electric, but I think. You know, if if I'm drafting a fantasy team right now, especially if, for example, I'm able to get Jamar Chase in the first round or T. Higgins in the late second, early third, 
I think that the upside of stacking Burrow is greater than the upside of Fields' legs alone. So Burrow right now, ADP is going at pick 37. Fields right now, 33.5. Herbert at 53.2. Lamar at 46.4. I understand the projections here is the debate, but at ADP and at cost, which quarterback do you like there? I think at ADP and at cost, definitely it gets pretty tempting with Lamar going basically a full round behind Burrow. But I think that, for example, if if we're just making our own rankings here to put those out there, I think you have to keep Burrow at least closer to that tier. I mean, putting him all the way behind Herbert, I think that's probably making a bit of a mistake and taking it too far. Okay, for all those who are joining us today on this debut, Man vs. Machine, we do ask at the very end, we're going to ask who won the debate. We want to hear your comments inside the chat. Let us know who you think wins. We're going to not only stop here at the quarterback position, we're going to go to running back position, we're going to go to wide receiver position, and we're going to close it out at the tight end position. So your feedback will be greatly appreciated at the end of the show when we ask. But in the meantime, stick around as we have a little bit, um, little news from the Podfather, and a thank you for subscribing to our all-in subscription. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. And one of our key missions is to make as much statistics and information and deep analysis available on playerprofiler.com for free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible. If you can't do All In, that's okay. We have a draft kit. We can just subscribe to the player rankings. Those now include tight end premium FFPC ranks. Our brand new data analysis package will blow your hair back. And of course, there's our Dynasty Deluxe and our DFS Dominator. Take a moment, check out our premium services to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you. The people that get the site and get the show. Thank you for subscribing to Player Profile All in Package. Before we continue on to the running back position, we did have a question from Dave Fantasy. Question is, Dario, how many yards do you think Fields rushes for in 2023? Inside the projections currently, and the projections are pretty conservative. Uh, we have them for 143 attempts. That is mm-hmm. uh, 6.4 yard per carry, 916 rushing yards. You think that's too conservative here for 2023? I think that that feels about right. I mean, he ran for 1100 last year. I think he didn't miss any games until the last one. I'm curious if there are full season rushing props available yet. I think that's always a good thing to check, but I'm not seeing any off the top. But I think that, I mean, I I mean, I'm very... Like, don't get me wrong. I think this is not just me trying to lift up Burrow at the expense of everyone else. I think this is just like every one of these guys has a huge case for their ceiling, for their upside. And Justin Fields could very easily, I mean, he was on track to almost break Lamar Jackson's rushing record last season. So I think 916 is a pretty good median projection at the moment. I think that if I were the head coach or the GM of the bears, I don't think you want to win every game with Lamar or sorry, with Justin Fields running for a hundred yards. I think they want to step away from that, have him develop as a passer. That's why they traded for DJ Moore and chase Claypool. So I think that that's a big factor for them in just how they're going to utilize him going forward. 
Okay, moving on to the running back position. Now, I don't I don't get what this one is. I okay, machine, you've you put Eckler's name on the show sheet. It it's freaking Austin Eckler for crying out loud. He comes in my ranking as fifth overall inside the top 300 in my running back two. What's wrong with that? Yeah, no, my only nitpick here, I don't think that his ADP should be dropping below Jonathan Taylor. I do think that's taking it a little far because the Colts offensive line has gotten worse and they're going to have a rookie quarterback. But I do think we have to move him down within the first round. I mean, currently you've got him ahead of Cooper Cup, ahead of Travis Kelsey, ahead of Stefan Diggs. I mean, you have this is saving for uh, something later on the show sheet, but you have to scroll down to see Devonte Adams's name. And I just think that I can't, <laughs> I can't stomach drafting Austin Eckler ahead of Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey right now. I mean, Cooper Cup was still the wide receiver one for half the season last year until he got hurt. Matthew Stafford's going to be back. I think the game scripts are going to be even worse for the Rams this year. So he could continue to light it up in just an absolutely mind-blowing fashion. So that's my nitpick with Eckler for you. I think that the market has reacted to this this trade rumor news, this uncertainty, because I think, I mean, this is purely anecdotal here, but don't you, wouldn't you agree that if a player is holding out and missing chunks of training camp, that usually doesn't bode well for their stats that season. I mean, look at Darren Waller last year, right? I think his workout video. (laughs) Jacked. (laughs) I mean, it's the NFL. They're all jacked. That's uh, you can't, you can't be drafting based off of workout videos, Billy. (laughs) Okay. I think we're splitting hairs here though. I mean, honestly, you look at, okay, whether it's, whether it's, you know, fifth overall, seventh overall, eighth overall, if you're in the draft room, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have different opportunities to draft all these different players. You're not, if you're doing one draft, I can see where your argument is. You need to have some of these guys ranked ahead of them. Okay. That's fine. Splitting hairs though. If you're doing some volume drafting, if you're doing more than one draft, because you're going to be mixing in different opportunity share here, and you're going to take Devonte Adams once you're going to take CD lamb. You're going to take digs, whatever it may be. You're not going to instant lock Austin Eckler. That being said, when I'm in a draft room, I do like to build anchor running back teams and, Eckler is a name that I want to hang my hat on, right? 200 plus carries and 900 plus rushing yards in back-to-back seasons. You know, last, last year he had 915 rushing yards, 13 scores, 107 receptions last year. I know a lot of that was due to injury, but still he's heavily involved in the passing game. Cause if we go back to 2021, when they did have everybody on the field, he still saw 70 receptions and 647 receiving yards and another eight scores. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, he's this had 38 offense- touchdowns the last two years, like by no means, Am I dissing Eckler? Kind of kind of the same thing I was saying with Justin Fields. Like these are all elite, elite fantasy guys. I mean, if you're looking at underdog ADP though, Eckler has already basically fallen out of the first round. He's at 12.5 in his ADP behind the entire second tier of receivers from Diggs, AJ Brown, Adams, and CD Lamb. So I just have a hard time. I think it depends on what what room you're drafting in, right? Because his FFPC ADP is still pretty high up there, although it's at 7.8. He's only behind Chase Kelsey. Obviously, the tight end premium is a factor. McCaffrey yep. and Justin Jefferson. So I think it depends on where you're drafting very much so. And it just depends on, like you say, the types of builds you want to do. I'm more, I'm kind of more lenient toward that first round receiver and then figuring out running back as you go. So I think that that's why I would say you have to have him later in your first round rankings. So... Okay, I get, I get. So that's awesome that he's at pick twelve right now on underdog because I will lock that every single time if he's there at, at on the turn. But nonetheless, this offense is set to explode. We we just mentioned everything about Kellen Moore in offense when we talked about the quarterback debate between Herbert and, and Joe Burrow. 
think about that Tony Pollard role. Now think about getting 200 plus carries in that role. And that's exactly what Austin Eckler is in this offense. By all means, do I want to take a receiver here? Sure, you can. And you're going to mix it up. You're going to take a receiver and take a running back, whatever it is. But I still think Eckler is should be considered a top five pick no matter what this season. You have the uncertainty right now that is driving the ADP down. And I think you need to take advantage of that in draft rooms. I think that the, you know, like you said, we're ta- we're all about finding a middle ground here. I think that this is exactly one of those situations where I'm happy to take him ninth or 10th ahead of this ADP right now. But I do think it's a little hard to push the button on him. If Cooper cup or Travis Kelsey is still on the table, those guys who are just absolute game breakers. And we know that running backs, tend to decline harder and faster as they get on the wrong side of the AJ packs. So that's, that's where I'm nitpicking at you. All right. Fair enough. Now let's, let's go to the other side of the spectrum. So we went from RB two. now we're going to scroll all the way down to RB 60 in my rankings. Okay. And that's Donta Foreman. I have him behind Jalen Warren, Singletary and Patterson. What don't you like about this ranking? I think that he is getting an upgrade in surroundings, right? Like we talked about Justin Fields right now. I think that Foreman's efficiency can only go up by going from the dead Panthers offense of last season to the presumably more efficient ground game of sharing a backfield with Justin Fields. I think everyone loves Khalil Herbert. I think I'm going to be high on both of these Chicago running backs this this season, but I just have a hard time putting Deontay Foreman that far down. I mean, he's currently the running back 43 in underdogs ADP. And I just think it's a little bit harsh to be putting him at running back 60. Okay. I mean, you've got rookies like tank Bigsby ahead of him, Michael Carter. Like, I mean, what's, what's Michael Carter going to do for you this season? I think that Deontay Foreman has a very real chance of stepping into a David Montgomery esque role for the bears. Like maybe they don't, trust Khalil Herbert with the entire workload as much as we love to see that happen. I think that that's, that's kind of the big reason to be, I think a little bit higher on Deontay Foreman than you should be. I mean, the guy saw 200 carries last year, 4.5 yards per carry, very solid. He, he had 3.1 broken tackles per game, number 14 in our breakaway run rate. So 6.9% of his carries went for 15 yards or more. That was 14th best in the league. I think he's still got it. I mean, we know that his legs are relatively fresh for someone his age because of that ruptured Achilles. And he's only going to be 27 this year. I mean, you hear the name Deontay Foreman, you think he's probably like 32 at this point, but I think he's still got some juice. So Deontay Foreman, so the reason why I'm as low as on him as I am is just he has zero involvement inside the passing game, right? Last year, he only had nine targets, 2.1% target share, running back 84 inside of that target share. 2021, he only saw 11 targets, which was 4.1% of the target share, running back 83. 2020, in six games, he had one target. So it's not like he isn't being targeted either. He just isn't running routes. Like he only saw 46 routes in 2021, 76 last year. And that was because of injuries. and He was on the field more. So now he goes into a team that just runs the ball a shit ton, right? We just talked about their, their lack of right, passing plays. I think if anything, that's a, I mean, if, if you don't mind me cutting you off here, but if doesn't that prove to be favorable for Dante Foreman to go to a team that hardly throws to their running backs. I'm like- building to it, Dario. I'm building <laughs> to it. Okay. There's only so much of the pie that you can cut up before the pie is gone. Right. We just talked about Justin Fields earlier and we talked about his rushing share. We talked about him having 143 rushing attempts. That's roughly 
30%. So 0.28 is what we have, 28% rushing share. Okay. They also have a man named by, uh, on the team named Khalil Herbert. And Khalil Herbert isn't a chump. He was running back six in rushing yards between weeks one through seven last year. So we we have him right now at, or I have him, I should say right now, at 33% rushing share. Foreman at 30% rushing share as well. So between the three of these, now we're a little over 90% rushing share on the team. You mix in the onesie twosies, they they went out and got Travis Homer. Like they still give, they're going to give Claypool a couple sweeps. They're going to give Mooney a couple sweeps. So everything said and done, you add all this in, the rest of the team combined is probably going to be between eight to 10% of the total rush share. So we have roughly 30% of the rush share for Dante Foreman. Now, when they get down to the goal line, now Dante Foreman has done well inside goal lines because he's a big, big back. He's a bruising back. He tends to get, you know, a few touchdowns every year, but they also have a rushing quarterback whose first inclination is going to be to run the ball. And so I don't think that this game script necessarily will favor them. I think they're going to try to throw more, like we mentioned earlier. I still think they're going to lean on the run, but I don't necessarily think that that's going to be all Dante Foreman. I think we're going to see a mixture between Khalil Herbert, between Justin Fields, and between Foreman because the previous two have been so successful in it. I mean, Khalil Herbert was the better back, in my opinion, last year inside Chicago, and that's why they let Monty walk. If if Khalil Herbert hadn't shown what he did last year, I don't think they let him walk and they probably re-sign him. But they knew what they had in Khalil Herbert. They knew they're going to be able to, to, to lean on him this year. And they went out and got another back to alleviate some of that role. I don't think that he's going to be a primary back. I don't think we're going to see 200 carries like we did with him on the Panthers. I think we're going to see between 150 and 170. And I think he's going to be more of a complimentary piece. I, I don't disagree with you entirely, but I think he's just, I mean, I think he should just be a little bit higher. He's going to have very high handcuff upside should anything happen to Khalil Herbert. And I think that, you know, having him ranked down by Cordell Patterson, Michael Carter, Devin Singletary in Houston. I mean, the what do all those backs are, have in common? They're all backups. They all, I think catch the ball. they all play third downs. We're talking Devin about PPR. catching yeah. the ball. Oh, come on. Look at <laughs> how, how many catches did Evan Singletary have last year. I mean, I'm sure it was more than um, I'm sure it was more than Foreman, but he's never been good at catching the ball. I like, bet I, you he I, had more I'm than not. Foreman's entire career in under <laughs> half the season last year. Guarantee it. I'm not even gonna look it up. Okay, I am gonna look it up just because I want to prove it now. I'm delaying. I'm, I'm trying to. But try I mean, to it's, I mean it's like talking about Foreman's entire career is a little bit harsh because the guy like hasn't. It's barely played the last like three years. Okay, so let's take the last three years. Okay, so l- let's take a look at Foreman's. Uh, no, yeah, I, I mean, look at it. nine yeah, targets last-, last year. Okay, like I said, <laughs> eleven targets. We're at twenty targets in two years. Okay, let's throw in the one that he had in twenty twenty as well. So we're at twenty one targets in three years. Let's go ahead and double that. Okay. And now let's go ahead and go take a look. But I mean, Singletary, I mean, you can't look at Singletary's involvement last year and tell me it's going to stay the same this year. I mean, come on. It's not going to. He's going to be. He's going to Houston. He's going to Houston. But hey, we talk about games. He's going to be behind Damian Pierce. They're probably going to draft another running back. So let's take a look, though. Okay. Different offense (laughs) completely. But they're going to throw the ball because they're going to be behind. Right. So we have. I'm not a Singletary stand. Singletary is going to be on the field. I think he will be. I think they're going to mix him in. But. 53 targets last year. I know he's not in the Bills anymore. 50 targets the year before. 2020, another 50. We're already two point, we're two and a half times the last three years combined for Foreman in the passing game. So there's a reason why I have Singletary slightly ahead of Foreman. If Foreman had just even, say, a modest 7% target share, 
think the argument made he should be I think ahead. the thing we're is we're relying on the red zone. We're relying it's about, on the short yardage. It's about the strengths of that player, right? Like teams know how to utilize players to their strengths. Guys like, you know, Chase Edmonds is also in this range, right? I mean, you've got these are the top six names above Foreman are Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Michael Carter, Jalen Warren, and Cordero Patterson. I like Jalen Warren. I think Michael Carter. Patterson you know, will be in the passing game. It, these guys are all going to be more involved in the passing game, but they're all kind of on the wrong side of the AJ Pex minus Warren and Carter. Like I think Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert are perfect examples. Those guys are toast. At least Deontay Foreman is still good at what he does between the tackles. And I think that the bears are going to know to utilize him that way. Okay. So he's going to, you're relying on a massive yards per carry season from Foreman. If is what I'm understanding, because we already talked about fields, vulturing touchdowns, every single catch that Patterson gets and Singletary gets, we're talking about 50 plus targets for these guys. The previous years, every catch they get is 10 yards for Foreman. Right. But I think that we also have to keep in mind, like if you're drafted, this, this is a very interesting like lens to look at, you know, the, the situations of a seasonal league versus a best ball league. I just think that Deontay Foreman, if you have a week where Khalil Herbert is out, if, you, if you'd rather have Deontay Foreman on your bench, than be putting Devin Singletary in your flex every now and then, because you just need those five or six points. I think Deontay Foreman, I think he's just someone that's going to be worth drafting. And I mean, currently, you have him ranked 10 spots behind ADP. So I think the market would tend to agree with me at the moment. I, I tend to do things a little different, Dario. You know, <laughs> I had, I had Debo Samuel ranked inside the top 20 the year he blew up when everyone had him in round eight, nine, right. At Eckler at two ahead of, ahead of, um, of the King, the year he broke out. And I remember at a sports illustrated draft, I got laughed at for doing it. So I will go against the grain hundred percent. Let's let's look at the projections, the raw numbers here, because this is this is very interesting. I know we're stuck on a running back in the 60s, but let's do it. I have a so this might be the the first number might be the ultimate number here. I have him for 153 carries and which is 30% of the rushing share, 4.25 yards per carries. That's 652 rushing yards and 5.4 touchdowns. Do you think they're all light here, or do you think it's it's one stat here over the other that is 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 drawing the number down? I think his I think his yards per carry could very easily be higher than this. I mean, as you know from from our projections model, we have an expected yards per carry for every running back for Deontay Foreman. That's four point three six, and currently his projected yards per carry you have it at four point two five. I think that if anything, he should exceed his expectation significantly. If we give him, let's say four point four three yards per carry, that brings his rushing yards all the way up to. 679 so it gives that him, moved him to running back 50 30 rushing yards or so and i think that's probably a little more fair to his talent profile i still think if i was in a draft room and the names i was looking at in the back half of it like all these names basically after jarek mckinnon at running back 45 you just talked about the aj pecs though we're at a running back now who's who's 27 on a team that traditionally runs the ball not with the running backs now they have a quarterback who's mobile they're looking to throw the ball more. They also have another really good running back named Khalil Herbert. Do we really think that he's going to see four point? What'd you put? Four, four point four three yards per carry. That's four and a half yards a carry for a twenty-seven year old running back who hasn't necessarily been the I model mean, of explosiveness. Had a four and a half yards per carry last year behind a worse offensive line with no quarterback as a threat in that offense. 
All right. I think I think we will we will agree to disagree on this one. I, I see some of your points from before, but I'm just not seeing it with Dante Foreman. Move, let's move along to wide receiver position. Talk about Lamb versus Adams. I currently have Lamb ranked ahead of Adams inside of our wide receiver rankings right now. I have CD Lamb as wide receiver five. I got Devontae Adams as wide receiver number eight. What don't you like about it? I mean, I just think that's pretty harsh on Devontae Adams. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't exactly going to sling it quite as strongly as as Derek Carr did, but I think this is way too bearish on still the best route runner in the game. Like this, I think that between Adams, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like those four guys are the most elite, talented wide receivers, and to have him ranked behind guys like, I mean, don't get me I wrong. I believe you just be I love like that. Who Diggs? Yeah, I mean, Diggs is great too. But I mean, you have him ranked behind AJ Brown. And I think the, my biggest nitpick is by far with CD Lamb. I mean, CD Lamb had his best games last year when Cooper Rush was playing quarterback. Like, if you look at his stretches where he was it doesn't matter who's quarterback, highest, he's, a, he's, a, he's a baller. That's why he had Sorry, his highest target share period of the season with Cooper Rush. With Dak, it went down. And I think that Brandon Cooks is going to take a decent chunk of this offense with him. The Cowboys lacked speed and separation last season. I think that Brandon Cooks could very easily come in and eat up about 20% of this target share. I mean, let's- that's great because I haven't projected for 20% of this target share and I still have Lamb where I have in my rankings because a certain tight end by the name of Dalton Schultz is no longer with a team who is also sucking up nearly 20% of the target share, 18.7 to be exact. You look at this offense, I think that Brandon Cooks is a wonderful complement to C.D. Lamb. It's going to open up the field for him. He's not going to be getting double double teamed as often. He's going to be able to you know use those feet and get masterfully open. Look at the player profiler I mean, comp think, on on CD Lamb. Who is the comp? I don't care about the comps. Who's the who's the comp? Tell me, Jerry oh, Rice. Oh my god, that's a joke. That's a, that's a bit. You didn't know about the bit. <laughs> I don't care. That's CD Lamb that is a, a baller. <laughs> <laughs> you totally fell for it. That was a bit back. When, I remember when he was coming out as a rookie. It was like, oh, CD Lamb. He can do no wrong. He's everyone was a totally. That was a. You know what? I'm leaving it. I'm rolling with it because <laughs> I think that CD Lamb is is going to explode again. He already exploded last year, right? You take a look at his his numbers and CD Lamb. I mean, he was never he was the wide receiver target. seven in fantasy points per game, and Devonte Adams was the wide receiver five. But there was a full two points per game separating them. I think that they're not. Do you in know the same who the quarterback is now, though, for for Devonte Adams? Devonte Adams had five hundred more air yards. I don't care. Like that was with a different. That was the Derek Carr, and that was with even Stidham, who was actually airing the ball out. Jimmy G does not air the ball out like that. Coming from the red and the gold back here, I've seen him throw a few passes. <laughs> And I can tell you right now, Devontae Adams is going to back hurt because he's going to consistently have to reach to his ankles to grab the ball because Jimmy G <laughs> constantly underthrows people. They're not going to be airing it out as much as they were when they had Derek Carr. And even when they had Stidham, Jimmy Garoppolo is more about accuracy. He's more about short intermediate throws. There's no way that he's going to air it out for Devontae Adams. Now, this will benefit him in the red zone because they're going to be able to get down there and they're going to you know run the little out route that they did in Green Bay. But CD Lamb, on the other hand, is going to have, you know, he still has Dak Prescott throwing him the ball. He's going to have another receiver there who's going to be taking away coverage for him. They we still have a lot of available targets here with, with Dalton Schultz gone. He's still 156 targets last year. It was wide receiver four. 
0.7% target share. And I know Devontae Adams is near or at this in every category as well, but there is going to be some serious regression with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. I just think that it's it's hard for me to get behind projecting that leap to happen for Lamb and that regression to happen for Adams. Like you're basically kind of already wish casting a couple of scenarios, which you know are fairly reasonable. I don't think anyone would completely slam you for these, you know, for, for thinking that these might play out that way. But I think just from the talent level that we've seen both of these receivers have, I in like just in in no way, I think, could I draft CeeDee Lamb ahead of Devontae Adams, knowing what we know right now. Like, I think that Devontae Adams is another level of alpha receiver. He led the entire league in target share last season. He had 32.6% of the Raiders targets, even if that regresses a little bit because Jimmy's a little gun shy. a lot, not just that. They also, not just Jimmy. Who else did they bring in? They brought in Jacoby Myers. They still have Hunter Renfro. Darren, right? Darren Waller left. I mean, that's... That's a Jacoby Myers-sized piece of the pie right there. If, if you're talking they about did, Dalton Schultz and Brandon Cooks one for one. They they did they did get Waller, but Waller hasn't been on the field a lot either. So those targets have already been distributed through the offense, in my opinion. I mean, Mac Hollins left too. He absorbed a lot of those leftover targets last God, season. God, that was annoying. I hate Mac Hollins. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I think that it's just tricky to to So play. I have I have him right now, like I said, wide receiver five for CeeDee Lamb. Devontae Adams, eight. Top 300, we look at the, the ranking. CeeDee Lamb falls to number seven because Eckler moves up, right? And then we have Devontae Adams, I have at 14 in the top 300. Saquon Barkley ahead of him, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. Yeah, to me, that's disrespectful. I mean, he he won so many people. I mean, he, he won people a lot of money in DFS last year when that stretch of 17 targets, 14 targets, 13 targets. I mean, this guy... You saw, let's see how many, 10.6 targets per game last year. CD Lamb saw 9.2. It's a full target per game. I think that, like you said, the offenses are going to change. And I, I think that Josh McDaniels is going to trust Jimmy Garoppolo more than Kyle Shanahan ever did. That's a factor that I haven't, <laughs> haven't gotten to yet. But I do think that the way they're going to utilize and trust Jimmy G is going to be a little different than what we saw with Shanahan. I think Shanahan fully threw in the towel with Garoppolo. He was like, look, Jimmy, you've lost us too many games. I can't trust you anymore. I think this is a clean slate. And I don't think that, I mean, did did he ever have a receiver as good as Devontae Adams in his time on the 49ers? Devontae Adams, in my opinion, is one of the best receivers in the NFL. And I just... I think you're in this stage of what I call uninformed optimism with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? <laughs> I have seen Jimmy Garoppolo for the last few years, and I fully understand his capabilities and his weaknesses. And his strengths do not match up with Devontae Adams' strengths. I think that there's there's certain aspects that I think that they'll mold well together. It's going to be short and intermediate. I think it's going to take a lot of yards after the catch for Devontae Adams to surpass what he has done in the past when he has had someone like Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr throwing the ball. We're now talking about a completely different animal, a completely different beast with a new quarterback on a new team in a new system. Yes, they have history when they're together, the Patriots. Nonetheless, it's a change from the Shanahan system, and I don't think it's going to do Jimmy Garoppolo well, and in turn, it's going to hurt Devontae Adams. And I think if we're talking about coaching changes too, you have to mention the fact that Kellen Moore left the Cowboys, right? This is a this is a pro for Justin Herbert, a pro for Austin Eckler. But 
I think this is going to hurt CD Lamb. I think it's going to hurt the Cowboys offense. The pace of play that we've seen from them, the overall efficiency that we've seen from them, I think that's going to decline with Mike McCarthy being back in charge of calling the plays. Didn't they elevate Brian Schottenheimer to, to offensive coordinator? I mean, I think this Cowboys offense has a very real chance of getting much uglier than what we've seen it look like the last couple of years. So I think if you factor in a regression in the overall size of the pie for the Cowboys, I just think that there's a lot of uncertainty in it in going into any NFL season. And to me, there's just such a talent disparity between lamb and Adams that you have to keep rolling with Adams until we see otherwise. Two final notes, then we'll move on to our next receiver. One, who was the head coach in green Bay when Devonte Adams was, was, was there? I mean, wasn't it Matt LaFleur? No, Mike McCarthy as well, right? And who yeah, was now who the was head Matt coach? LaFleur when he was at his peak, though? I mean, <laughs> come on. Okay, and you've mentioned Mike McCarthy the name. underutilized him. You've mentioned you've mentioned this word a few times. A AJ Pex. How old is Devontae Adams? Devontae He's Adams over 30. is going to be 31. That's right. Yeah. That's but, that's 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 above the AJ Pex. I think that uh, we, we might have seen the best years of Devontae Adams in the past. I mean, we may have, but I think that he's these exceptional talents age differently from everyone else. Like if you look at, I mean, I'm trying to think, let me pull up Julio. I think what who, everything fell off the face of the earth for Julio at like 32, 33 and Devonte Adams's game is predicated on being the best route runner. I mean, Keenan Allen has still been very productive on a per game basis. And he's another guy who beats you with his route running savvy. I think that, Devonte Adams is simply still the best receiver in the league. And I, I'm, I can't believe you have him ranked outside the first round, frankly. I'm going to say it right now. Jimmy Garoppolo is Devonte Adams kryptonite. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Ne- next receiver, we have Garrett Wilson. Okay. So I have Garrett Wilson um, right now inside of the wide receiver rankings as wide receiver number 11. What don't you like about it? And this is one for me where I think it's just the market altogether is a little bit too high on him. We're just kind of wish casting the best case scenario for him with Aaron Rodgers. I think he should be going closer to Chris Olave last season when Garrett Wilson was going two or three rounds behind Olave London, even behind guys like Sky Moore. I was drafting all the Garrett Wilson. I could, we knew that he was an absolutely elite talent, but I think this year we shouldn't be drafting him ahead of guys like Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith and T Higgins. These proven like secondary alphas in their offenses who have absolutely nuclear upside. I know that that's kind of a hot take right now. I just think that Garrett Wilson should probably be going a little bit closer to Olave and we shouldn't be projecting him already to take that leap because then at that point, like he can't even, he's not going to like, how much do you have to gain if he does reach that nuclear ceiling? Like, I mean, unless he gives you a top three wide receiver season, like if you're drafting him at wide receiver 10 or wide receiver 11 and he finishes wide receiver six, that's not that much value. I think that all these guys like Waddle, Devonte Smith, T Higgins, like they're already very strong in their offenses, very strong target shares, very elite producers. And especially if the guy ahead of them gets hurt, they're going to go to absolutely nuclear level. And I just think that Garrett Wilson on a per route basis, he wasn't any better than Olave or London last year. So I don't think that we should be projecting him to take this absolutely crazy leap and be drafting him just between Amon Ross St. Brown and Jalen Waddle. I think he's still a tiny bit behind that tier. I'm comfortable drafting him behind T Higgins right around where Chris Olave and DK Metcalf are sitting in our rankings at the moment. 
Okay, so right now on the projection sheet, I have um, his projections. Let's just pull them up right now. Garrett Wilson in a 26% target share, 158 targets. Um, we have him at a catch rate of only 56%, so there's room for growth there as well. We have him at 13.5 yards per reception. We have him with 1,197 yards, receiving yards, and 89 touchdowns we look at what he was able to perform in his rookie season with mike white and with um wilson we have 83 receptions 1103 receiving yards he had 1575 air yards and four receiving touchdowns we're we're you know aaron Rodgers is, is due in town we have a massive upgrade to the quarterback position this offense is going to be more efficient this offense is going to be uh scoring more touchdowns my projection is with Aaron Rodgers going to the offense or going to this team. Mm-hmm. Same. If Aaron Rodgers does not go to this team. I can see the argument for him to be below all those receivers that you mentioned. However, he is the clear cut number one in this offense. We just saw Elijah Moore get shipped out of town, right? We saw, um, was it McCole Hardman, right? Was, yeah. was assigned. Who's more of a gadget player. In my opinion, he's not going to command a massive target share. So I'd say that the, the target share for Wilson is going to remain, if not increase. We have Corey Davis, who is a $10 million cap casualty, in my opinion. So there's a lot of opportunity for this offense to continue to funnel through Garrett Wilson, especially with the increase in efficiencies. I always tell people we don't want to wait for it to happen before we draft the player and what we're anticipating for him to climb an ADP. We want to mm-hmm. be early on that player. And I think that 2023 is where Wilson's going. It's yes, it's high for some folks, but there's a real possibility. Garrett Wilson is around one pick next year based upon his 2023 performance. I think that, I mean, to this <laughs> very kind of very far from the point, but the only world in which Garrett Wilson is a round one pick pick next year is if he a lights the earth on fire this year and B Aaron Rodgers doesn't retire after 2023. So I think that's a lot of, (laughs) that's a, that's a lot of legs to string together. He had 1100 rushing yards with Mike white and Wilson. I mean, receiving Receiving yards, yards. I mean, that's, that's no small. If you look at the the garbage at, at quarterback, in terms of the pass attempts, though, that offense, like the games that everyone talks about, the splits between, oh, Zach Wilson versus other quarterbacks, like Garrett, if, if Garrett Wilson would have played the whole season with Mike White, his numbers would have been like completely crazy. But if you look at the number of pass attempts in that offense, they were unsustainably high. I mean, there were some Joe Flacco games where he was throwing throwing the ball 60 times. And similar, same thing with Mike White, who's having 50 pass attempt games. So I think that there's kind of a lot of, extraneous volume already baked into Garrett Wilson's rookie year. I do think he was the rookie of the year. Fair enough. Like he had a great season, but like I said, I don't think he was necessarily any more efficient than Chris Olave on a per route basis, Drake London on a per route basis. So I think that this is kind of the market taking it a little bit too far. We love these second year breakouts. I just think that this is, I mean, for example, I'm on Ross St. Brown last year, right? Absolute. Absolutely loved him. Everyone was in on that pick and he crushed down the stretch in his rookie year. He absolutely exploded last year. Where was he going? The three, four turn. I mean, I just think that you have no, like you have so little margin for him to pay off for you when you're buying him so close to his ceiling. And I, again, like this is, I'm not someone who's going to be completely fading him this season. I definitely see the upside. I just think that you probably have to dial down the exposure a little bit based on his current ADP. I would just like to, 
to shout out to Dave inside the chat for rounding up for us because 8.9 touchdowns is practically nine. So just in case everyone wasn't aware, 8.9 is pretty much nine touchdowns. Oh my gosh. Wait, really? <laughs> Damn. That's, I got to have to factor that into my model. Yeah. I think, I think that gives Wilson an extra bump and I think okay, he's going to move up. He's going to move up even higher. Um, all right. We got, we got a few minutes left. Let's move on to the last player of the night. Let's talk about Darren Waller before we do so though, folks, I want to keep in mind, we are going to be asking you to vote on who won our first rankings projection debate. If it's going to be the man or is it going to be the machine? So, Darren Waller, my tight end seven behind Fryermuth, head of Evan Ingram. What don't you like? I think he should be behind Evan Ingram too. I think he should be behind Evan Ingram. I mean, I would have said David Njoku 24 hours ago, but I think that Elijah Moore is probably going to eat up just a few targets there. I think that keeping him around the same as um, David Njoku is fair enough, but I think it's the Evan Ingram. I mean, you have him ahead of Kyle Pitts for crying out loud. Kyle Pitts... The, the tight end five in ADP right now, maybe that's a little rich. I like having Pat Fryer. Have you seen Cal Pitts play the last couple of years? Do you know his coaches? I mean, <laughs> have you seen Darren Waller play the last couple of years? He hasn't even been on the field. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry, continue. I, think, continue. I mean, we have Greg Dulcich, Chico Conquo, Dalton Schultz close behind him. I just think that Darren Waller, I mean, we've been talking about age, and I know that age is like, not quite as extreme of a factor for tight ends, but yeah, he's like I a rookie think, pretty much with his age. Exactly. Now. Darren Waller. I think that he's just got, I don't know. Maybe I, my hope for him is that the new environment and the new coaching staff is kind of going to basically rejuvenate his career. But I just don't think that that's a bet that I want to take right now ahead of Evan Ingram, ahead of Kyle Pitts, ahead of David Njoku. That's, that's the whole, the whole argument right there. So I don't think Arthur Smith even knows that he has Kyle Pitts on his team. So we can't that's, put Kyle That's Pitts true. They did trade for Johnu. Maybe he forgot about Pitts. So they definitely forgot about Pitts. And, and they, they like to throw him out wide as a receiver and not create mismatches at the tight end position. So that's the reason why um, I have Pitts there. Although in the raw projections, it's like only like a half a dozen points. Nonetheless, the Waller projection here. Um, it's, it breaks down to necessity. It breaks down to pure volume, right? And you look at this Giants offense, and there's there's a lot to be desired at the wide receiver position. I know they've gone out and made some moves. So they went out and they grabbed um, Paris Campbell, right? They went out and they re-signed Hodgins. So great. They got two meh yeah, receivers, no. right? So now Waller, in my opinion, they went out and traded for him. They gave him a third-round pick. It's number 100 in this year's draft. Because they looked at the free agency class and they said, man, we really need a difference maker inside the passing game. We really need somebody who's going to be able to help our now franchise quarterback. Oh, and they, they deemed that was not going to be any of the free agents inside this class. So what did they do? They went out and traded for Darren Waller. Now, I know Dable hasn't necessarily or particularly used tight ends to that degree, but he also hasn't had a tight end to Darren Waller's level of athleticism in the past, right? Dawson Knox just wasn't moving the needle for me. So you look at the rest of this wide receiver course, and there's a lot left to be desired. Sterling Shepard, he tore his ACL week three last year after coming back from a torn Achilles in 2021. Wondell Robinson has an ACL tear week 11. He's a pup candidate to start the season, in my opinion. 
when he is back, he had hammy injury in week 10 last year, knee sprain week one, not the model of health, right? This less this receiver core is just kind of gross. I mean, Slayton had a career year last year. He's a field stretcher, but Jeff Smith, Bellinger, not moving the needle. So for me, Waller should be a focal point in this offense. I think I have him projected for like 90-ish. 99.8. Rounds up to 100 in case anyone's wondering. Yeah, uh, Dave, 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 can you confirm 99.8? It's 99.8-100. I need some confirmation on that before I agree to the number. But I have him around 100, Dario. Um, and that might be light based upon the rest of this receiving court. I think that... I, I think, like, you you kind of built your own counter-argument perfectly for me. Like, Dable has never had a tight end that he's utilized to this extent. Can you please say athletic before a tight end? <laughs> I mean, he's never had an athletic tight end either, but I don't think that... I think that the biggest sign, of course, is that they gave up that third round pick. But I mean, if you if you just asked me right now, if, if I was walking down the street and you put a mic in my face and said, Evan Ingram or Darren Waller, 2023, go. It's it's Evan Ingram like 98% of the time. I think that when like between Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones, between an up and coming offense versus I think what happened with the Giants this year, they overachieved. And now they're keeping the band together on that overachievement rather than looking, taking a whole cold, hard look in the mirror and realizing that Daniel Jones is probably not a long-term solution. And I think that it's just, it's kind of unfortunate to see that that rebuild is being postponed because they won a playoff game against the fraudulent Vikings. But I think that trading for an old tight end is not going to help them. It, it, it's just kind of like, I think they're kind of in no man's land right now. So I have Ingram is less than 10 fantasy points behind Waller. So in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, one touchdown, I think Dave would do the math for me. I think that's a touchdown and a half. We'll, we'll get him damn near those 10 points. And so when you look at the projection of Ingram, I also have him for 95 targets. So we're very close in terms of, of, of opportunity. That being said, there's a lot more mouths to feed. And I know that's a cliche statement, but it's a real statement here for the the Jaguars. Calvin Ridley joined this team. What he has left in the tank after missing a year and a half footballs to be determined. They still have Zay Jones. They still have Christian Kirk. They have a, a very active pass catching running back in Travis Etienne. <laughs> I know, I know that they you know went out and, and franchise tagged Ingram. I like Ingram a lot. I've always been high on Ingram. Had him high in my rankings last year. I just think that we are going to see. Maybe a glimpse of the old Waller. I don't think we're ever going to see the elite days of Darren Waller. Like him being a top two, top three tight end are probably gone, right? You take a look at like the Travis Kelsey, Hawkinson tier and 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 Andrews tier. Is it possible for him to hit that tier this year? I think it's within the realm of possibilities, but I think it's unlikely. I still mm-hmm. think though that that he is probably in, in, in a tier of his own right now. Maybe the next tier with George Kittle. That's where I think that I have Darren Waller yes. with his opportunity See, I, share. I think I just have to disagree with you there. I think he, if anything, he's closer to the tier after that with Ingram, with Schultz. I, I do like Fryermuth a lot. I'd put Fryermuth well ahead of him along with that Goddard-Kittle tier. And I think that, you know, maybe I'm being a little emotional in this because I drafted Darren Waller and Scott Fishbowl last year and he gave me absolutely nothing. <laughs> but... I just have a hard time seeing it with him in in this new environment. I think that the Giants are going to continue getting the most out of their scrappy receiving core. And 
I think that Darren Waller has just kind of, he's, he's just a little bit past his prime and, and there's nothing against it, but I think that I wouldn't be drafting him ahead of Ingram, Pitts, or, you know, probably in Joku's where I give you that 50-50 point. And that, that's very different from where you have him right now. And I think the other thing to keep in mind too is tight end is an absolute wasteland. Every year we talk ourselves into, oh man, maybe there's going to be like 15 fantasy relevant tight ends. And every year without fail, it ends up being a complete disaster. So if any of these guys even secure like a full-time starting route running role, they're probably going to be a top six tight end. But we just, you know, it's that time of the off season where we don't know who that's going to be. And I just feel a little bit more comfortable placing my bets with the younger guys that then with Waller. A little salty. This this beverage is a little salty, Dario. That's what <laughs> you are after last year getting burned by Darren Waller. We don't want to have recency biases <laughs> coming the way. So, <laughs> all right, everybody, please take a vote. We're going to just hold off for a minute as you vote on who you think won the first rankings debate. Go ahead and throw it in the chat right now. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your opinions on who you think is um, the say winner or the who's going to reign supreme in man versus machine. Also, we got confirmation from Dave that 99.8 is nearly 100. So great. I can update my ranking. So that moves him up even higher. Let's take a look at where that moved him. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> um, while we're waiting on 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 the votes to come in again, please throw it in the chat who you think won the debate. Was it the man or was it the machine? Um, yes, it is the fact I am a known Titan hitter, hater. My Titan rankings last year on a week to week basis were pretty garbage. Uh, but for the season, <laughs> they were great. Um, but week to week, I think it was uh, I think it was definitely an opportunity. Um, and I do like the man does like Brock Purdy. That is right. Um, so we have our first vote in. Ooh, this is a split. Quarterback, quarterback Dario wins quarterback and tight ends. And Billy wins running back in wide receivers. I would like to point out, Dario, that uh, tight end and quarterback had one in each of those sections, <laughs> where running back and wide receiver had two. So, Dave, if That's, my math is seems correct, like picking. Dave, if my math is correct, two plus two is four, and one plus one is two. So, I think that means I did twice as well as Dario. Can can we confirm there, Dave? I need I need some some calculations while we're talking here. Anybody else have have any other votes they want to throw in here? Um, can we throw a poll up right now? I don't know. I'll throw that. it in afterwards. We'll throw it in after the chat. I don't know how to do it live on the air. So we'll definitely throw in a poll afterwards. Um, I agree. It will get more engagement. Um, Giselle says he's going with Billy. There's there's another one. I like it. I like it. Ooh, Singletary, got... Ingram, Adams discussions got me leaning towards Dario. Okay. So Dario has another one there. Any more? Let him stream in. Still waiting on Dave for confirmation about two plus two being four and one plus one. Because <laughs> if that's the, that's going to be the determining factor, Dario, because right now we're tied two to two. All right, folks, that's, that's it. one way to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw a poll up in here. You guys can go ahead and vote on it after the fact as well. Um, ooh, we got a machine ooh, vote in there. Final, oh. final vote. <laughs> We'll end the show on that. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning into the debut episode of Man vs. Machine. We'll be back here every Wednesday. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your week. Peace out.
That's it. We're out. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.